0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Coming up next on Plains FM, the Shetland and Orkney Connection, brought to you by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society.
2: Played by Shetland Band Homebrew Signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month For the Shetland and Orkney Connection Produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society And broadcast on Plains FM 96.9 Either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband Or available for three months after the broadcast Via podcast on the website www.plainsfm.org.nz.
0: Everybody to the March edition of the Shetland and Orkney Connection. It is presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society, and is promoted by Community Radio, Plains FM 96.9. The program is broadcast at 8:30 p.m. on the last Monday of each month, and is repeated on Monday
1: two weeks later at noon. There are lots of pictures on Facebook just now of all the lovely spring flowers and bloom in Orkney and Shetland. Summer is on its way there. Here in Christchurch today, I am sitting inside. It's raining and all the autumn leaves that are starting to fall are making a slimy mess on the drive. Winter is on its way and I'm not looking forward to the cold weather. Hi, I'm Heather Craw and today I have Helen Baker and Jan Mackay with me.
2: At the moment, we're at the peak of Omicron. Hopefully, the decline will start soon and be quick. Here, we went into our first lockdown two years ago when COVID first arrived, and like everyone else, we've had enough. We've just been told that some of the restrictions will be lifted in a couple of weeks. Best news we've had for a long time. (laughs) There's been two, isn't
0: it? Yeah. Now for some snippets from the Shetland papers. It seems the residents of Shetland had an early morning wake-up call on Monday last week. At 5.30 in the morning, there had been a 5.0 magnitude earthquake about 200 kilometres off the coast of Norway. It caused walls to shake and doors to bang and lasted about two
1: minutes. Yes, I sort of wondered, you know, a lot of the houses are built of stone. Mm. How do they shake (laughs) It's probably not a thing that happens a lot. No, it's not. There wouldn't be those
2: old places of
1: stone. Mm. Still standing, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, I can remember watching the walls of the house. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. Mm. We're awfully familiar with that, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rather an embarrassing time in Shetland for the driver of a blue BMW car, when after he had left it parked, it decided to take a run into the sea. He had to call a recovery service to pull it out. Oh Another embarrassing mm-hmm. BMW driver. <laughs> <laughs> and a blue one at yeah.
2: <laughs> the news that PO are making hundreds of UK crew redundant came as a shock to everyone. It was noted that PO was co-founded by Shetlander Arthur Anderson, a proud islander and radical MP for Orkney and Shetland. Anderson High School in Lerwick was named after him. He was an advocate both for islanders and for sailors in his time. We can only imagine what what he would have made of this disgraceful action today by the company he founded. A plea has been made to motorists in Shetland to watch out for otters on the roads after five were killed on the main A road through the Shetland mainland. It's such a shame as they are lovely animals.
0: From the Orkadian May 2005 Blether I remember more than 50 years ago at the small rural one teacher school I attended, a young classmate announcing to the schoolmistress that she had learnt a poem. She rose from her desk and recited. What was the time, half past nine? Hang your knickers on the line. When the policeman comes along, hurry up and put them on. (laughs) This apparently horrified our schoolmistress to such an extent that she was overcome by an attack of the vapours, and we were all sent home, my young friend clutching a letter from the teacher to her parents. <laughs> Getting the vapours, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and what's more, sending them all home. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they didn't mind Just think that. on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hmm. Orkney has had an ongoing problem with grey-legged geese, as they cause agricultural damage by eating and trampling crops. Statistics show that the number of geese in the country has risen from 22,956 to over 27,013 over the last year. In 2001, there were just 1,500 geese in Orkney. Statistics also show that one goose eats nearly 1.5 kilograms of fresh grass each day. That means that the number counted last year ate over 36.5 tons of grass per day in Orkney. And that's a lot of grass, yes. and they do mess up the pasture you know, with their droppings and stuff, and mm. yeah, it makes a real mess, yeah. In
2: 1980, the Orkney Vehicle Licensing Office closed. The office had the responsibility for registering new cars in Orkney with the distinctive BS Registration. The BS vehicle registration was introduced as long ago as 1904. The number plate BS1 was originally allocated to W. R. Tulloch, but he wrote to the licensing authorities explaining that his lucky number was 7 and requesting BS7. The Earl of Zetland's factor in Orkney, William MacLennan, had been allocated BS7. But the authorities agreed the two men could swap. <laughs> oh, wasn't that
0: nice? Yeah. <laughs> Decades later, when personalised number plates became popular, BS1 was owned by circus impresario Billy Smart, while BS7 was owned by the world motor racing champion Barry Sheen. After the closure of the Orkney Vehicle Licensing Office, responsibility for the BS registration switched to Inverness although by then there was invariably another letter preceding the BS for example CBS1 it has been noticed around the country that a few number plates have appeared with ORK registrations these would have been originally allocated to vehicles in northwest london it's mm. a shame, don't, isn't it? Yeah, I
1: don't know go get, to yeah. yeah, I don't know how they, they are a K for Northwest London, <laughs> but anyhow.
2: <laughs> I'd like to know what BS stands for. Yes, I don't know, but yeah,
1: you certainly was still standard? see <laughs> I said it to You still see plenty of them in Orkney uh, even now. Right. The number of motor vehicles registered in Orkney up to September 1908 was small: 30 private cars, 36 motorcycles, and seven trade vehicles. But already the government of the day had seen the opportunity for taxation. A tax on motor vehicles was introduced in 1909, along with a tax of twopence a gallon on petrol. Things haven't changed much, have they? No. <laughs> tax is a bit more than twopence on our petrol, though. I you? would say. <laughs> <laughs> now we continue with another motor vehicle themed story. With the price of petrol so high in Orkney and here in New Zealand at the moment, I thought this was this little piece written by Lex and I don't know what his surname was it was first published in the Orcadian in July 1950 and reprinted in July 2004 would be of interest
2: the other day a friend of mine who is the proud possessor of a new car latest model and also possesses enough money to buy (laughs) petrol to run it invited me to accompany him to Stromness to show as he said himself his new car to the strongness folk. Naturally I jumped at the chance. The story continues. The car was a beauty and it purred along the road eating up the miles. There I sat in the acme of comfort surrounded by shining fittings, the function of which I never dared to query. Suddenly my state of blissful well-being was shattered, for there on the right-hand side of the road in a small enclosure stood the gaunt and rusting skeletons of yesterday's transport, half a dozen old horse brakes. The sight of the old brakes brought a lump to my throat and an aching nostalgia for days long gone. There they stood in the bright sunshine, still black but a little rusty.
1: Boy, said my companion, who was born into the petrol age and had never even seen one of these on the road, how would you like to be laundering along the road in one of them there's nothing i would like better i said you ah, daft he said and pressed his foot a little with a resulting 10 mile increase in the speedometer of course he couldn't remember the excitement of the sunday school picnics as i did of 50 or 60 lusty youngsters assembling at the church each complete with sunday clothes and clutching a mug or humble tinny There can never be the thrill such as shot through us at the sight of three large horse brakes, and I think these brakes were what we would call a cart. Okay. Black and shining with their wheels gleaming in the morning sun. The horses brushed and groomed for the occasion. The leather harness brushed to perfection. With great excitement, we scrambled up the steps and took our place, packed like sardines in a barrel. Three or four lucky ones would get up beside the driver... And once the teacher was beside us, we were off. We sang and shouted at folk in the fields as we passed, and were flattered if they waved back. The picnic
0: itself was something we took for granted. Often we were more than a little bored, but the ride home again was worth it all. On the homeward journey we were quieter, and the clip-clop of the horse's hooves became a sort of lullaby, To those for whom the day's exertions had proved a bit much. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Shetland and Orkney Connection. Presented by the Shetland and Orkney Society and is promoted by Community Radio Plains FM 96.9. More
2: snippets from the papers. Visit Scotland has commissioned a study to explore developing a long distance walking route to be known as the Shetland Way that would stretch from the southernmost tip of Shetland's mainland to the northerly island of Unst. The route would cover about 80 miles linking Shetland's natural, cultural and community assets. It's believed that a long distance walking track would be an exciting addition to the island's attractions, providing more opportunities for visitors and residents to explore the islands. Walking is perhaps the best way of seeing Shetland's extraordinary landscapes and the incredible wildflowers, mammals and birds that thrive there.
1: Mm, Yes, I have walked along some of uh, Orkney's coastline and you certainly do get the feel of the land. I was walking near Yisnabee one day when the track got a bit rough, so I grabbed the nearby fence for support. I got more than I bargained for, as it was an electric fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't I? I actually got... Um, quite a belt, did you? Yeah, yeah I did, Yes, yeah, Good so goodness. I got down the rough bit quite quickly. <laughs> and I went to get under another fence, and, and the, the, I knew it was electric, but the wire touched my pack on the yeah. back, and I got another shock, yeah. But walking along the cliffs, especially if it was rough, you could hear the sea booming as it rushed into the caves below below you. It was a bit scary at times, but I did enjoy all the walks I did. Both Shetland and Orkney have numerous walks of various lengths, and most you don't need to be that fit. If you Google walking routes in Orkney or walking routes in Shetland, you will get a lot more information about many of the walks you can do. Mm -hmm. It's a very
2: bad idea to walk around the cliffs in a good wind, though. Oh, yeah. Yes, it
1: would be, wouldn't it? Well, it's a bit scary when you walk around and you look back where you've walked and you see all the the, caves that are, you know, that are underneath, and you think, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: The state of the Churchill barriers is causing some concern at the moment, especially barrier number two. The sea is a hard taskmaster and continuously wears away the shore. We must remember that the barriers now are getting on to over 80 years old. What would happen to the islands they serve if one was breached? It really doesn't bear thinking about Having to travel to the mainland by boat again would not appeal to most of the islanders. <laughs> I don't think it would appeal to anyone. No, it would take yeah. a long time, wouldn't it? Yeah. Compared
1: yeah. to a few minutes across yeah. the barrier. Well, that's why I think, you know, if they get mm. the tunnels in Shetland, it'll make yes. a heck of a difference to Shetland yeah. if they get those... Um, yeah. yeah. It would be a massive backward
2: step, wouldn't it? To yeah. not have that quick
1: Yeah, access? just the ease of, ease of travelling, that's the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Scotland's farm-raised salmon sector, Scottish Sea Farms, Is helping save lives by installing defibrillators in local communities where the company operates including three in Orkney at Hatston, Scarpa and on the island of Eday. They all are available for anyone who needs them 24 hours a day. Every minute without CPR or defibrillation leads to a 10% decrease in the patient's chances of surviving. Well done, Scottish Sea Farms.
1: Yeah, I think that's something, you know, that they can be proud of doing, really. Yeah. Yeah. The doors have been opened to the new Shetland Island Council Chamber, which now occupies St Ringan's Church. Elected members had their first debating session from the refurbished premises a couple of weeks ago. The refurbishment included the installation of conference equipment and broadcast technology. Most More public space is available and the centre of attention is a new chamber table, measuring over nine metres in length, which was made made by paperwork furniture. A height-adjustable lectern provides added comfort and convenience to those using it and should prove to be a benefit to those in wheelchairs. And there was a picture of the new chamber in the Shetland Times and the new table. It's, it's magnificent. It's huge, but it... Um, You know, it looks very well Mm. in the uh, room. It's
2: a good length, isn't
1: it? Yeah. I'll say. Mm.
2: In a whopper
0: of a catch, a group of Orkney anglers have reeled in their second gigantic flapper skate. Gary Musen hit the headlines a few months ago after catching a 121-pound skate with the help of friends Martin Lenny and Graham Lowry. In February, Gary helped Martin land an even bigger specimen, weighing 136 pound. skate are protected sea creatures in the UK, so the anglers made sure to return their catch to its watery home. A tracking tag was attached to the fish to help experts monitor its progress.
2: Mm, Nice to hear they were returned. Yeah, Mm. yeah. A dedicated indoor horse riding arena has moved closer to reality after a cash injection from the Shetland Islands Council. The equestrian community have worked hard to fundraise for this project over the last few years. Shetland Indoor Arena Ltd aims to construct an indoor facility which will provide a vital resource for Shetland's equestrian community as well as a number of other key groups. They want to provide riders with year-round access to training facilities and enable them to bring world-class trainers to the Isles to
1: develop the sport. Mm. Yes, I think it will be a great um, Mm, facility to have Mm. for them, yeah. Mm. I was uh, was sad to see the notice of Alistair Cormack's death in the Orcadian so soon after his wife Anne's death a few weeks ago. They certainly made an impact on Orkney with all their writing, and they will be missed. NHS Shetland said it has begun the tendering
0: process for an MRI scanner in facilities. The project has been hit by delays of around six to nine months due to the pandemic. If all now goes to plan, the scanner will be installed and operational by the end of 2023. Over £1.4 million has been raised for the scanner and Shetland Endowment Committee Chairman Lincoln Carroll thank the community for their fundraising efforts. It's a truly remarkable community fundraising effort and will make a great difference to the lives of so many people. The benefit to all of the Shetland community cannot be underestimated.
1: Yes, I can't believe you know raising one point four million pound, it's an amazing effort. Mm. And it really does always amaze me the generosity of the Shetland and Orkney folk. Uh, You know, if there's a need arises, they seem Mm. to um, have their hands in their pockets. We're all done, Shetland, anyway. Yeah, Mm. it really is. Mm. Arthur Anderson
2: by Martin Fraser. Arthur Anderson lived from the 19th of February 1792 to the 27th of February 1868. He was a native of...
1: 1792, it should have been.
2: What did I say? S- 93. Oh, okay, sorry. we we'll go from... <laughs> start, start, if you start again, I think, yeah. Okay.
1: Start from... There, uh, yeah, I'll just start from Arthur Anderson.
2: Yep. Arthur Anderson lived from the 19th of February, 1792, to the 27th of February, 1868. He was a native of Shetland, and he went on to found the Peninsula and Oriental Steam Navigation Company, which has since become P&O. <laughs> He was the eldest son of the manager of a fish curing station at the Bod and Arthur was born there. He was one of the small proportion of Shetland children to receive an education at the time. From the age of 12 he was employed on Bressy, curing and drying fish on the Shingle Beach. Most of his contemporaries went on to crew the traditional Shetland fishing boats, the Sixerans. Anderson's education and ability let him to be singled out to work in the office of the estate facto, Arthur Bolt.
1: Hmm. In 1807, Anderson was caught by a Navy press gang, but was, was released when Arthur Bolt told the Navy that Anderson proposed to volunteer the following year at the age of 16. He did so, becoming a midshipman on the HMS Ardent. Anderson quickly realised that holding down a post as an Aryan officer required more money than he had available. So on the 8th of March 1810, he transferred to become the captain's clerk aboard HMS Bermuda. Anderson served on the HMS Bermuda for most of the five years, leaving the Navy after Napoleon's final defeat at Waterloo. He was one of 3,000 men from Shetland to serve in the Navy during the Napoleonic Wars. And I thought, 3,000 men from, you know, the population Shetland. of Shetland, that's a lot of men, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Wouldn't have been much fun in those days, either. No, it wasn't. Oh. no. Mm.
0: After the war, Anderson became involved in shipbroking in Spain and Portugal, and in 1822 went into partnership with Brodie McGee Wilcox. They bought their first ship in 1825. In the late 1820s and early 1830s, Anderson helped the Royalist cause in civil wars in both Portugal and Spain, and after the wars reaped the benefits of backing the winning side. Anderson and Wilcox then formed what they called the Peninsula Steam Navigation Company. The house flag was formed from the royal red and yellow of Spain and the blue of Portugal. In 1836 they won the government mail contract to Spain and Portugal and were well on their way to
1: success. He had quite an interesting Mm. life, didn't he? Yes. Very
2: Very watery. (laughs)
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Well, here we are at the end of another programme. We hope wherever you are COVID restrictions are starting to be lifted and hopefully you can get back to something like normal. We've just about all forgotten what normal was like. Keep safe. Bye. Cheerio. You'll hear us again in a month. (laughs) Yes, hopefully.